I generally say good morning on Sunday. I guess I'll say good afternoon. But it is a good afternoon, isn't it? Thank the Lord we was able to have church today. Um, I'm sure you were quite surprised the way I was as far as this weather coming the way that it did. But I kind of like these kind of snows that are really pretty on the grass and the trees and don't stick to the asphalt and the concrete. Amen. How many happy to be here today? Wonderful day to be able to serve the Lord, isn't it? Wonderful day. The world is talking about World War III. Nuclear warheads and nuclear conversations haven't been where they are now, probably in many, many years since the Cold War period. While they're talking about World War III, we're talking about a rapture. Preparation time. I'm not... uh, Saving up peaches, cornbread, canned beans, beets, pickles, trying to go under the ground somewhere. I'm feeding on some barrels that a prophet saw in a vision. Stored up food they were to be able to get us ready, not for a hole in the ground. I'm not a mole. I'm not a mole. I'm not looking for a hole in the ground. I'm looking for a diet that'll change our bodies get us out of this place. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, if you would, today. I love this um, reading. I'll tell you, it's, it's been one of my favorites for many, many years. But the further we go in time, I think the more I'm able to really see it <clears throat> and understand it. God, who had sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his word or as the English says his son which is his word whom he hath appointed heir of all things now listen By whom also he made the world. So what did he make the world by? His word, which was his son. Not a little boy. God's word is his son. Notice verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the rhema of his dunamis, by the word of his power. Isn't it amazing? Other places in the Bible it says the power of his word. But here it says word of his power. It's not logos, but it's actually rhema. Rhema of his dunamis. When he had himself purged our sins, Set down on the right hand of the majesty on high. One of the meanings of this word of right, R-I-G-H-T, is a place of great authority. Not so much that God's an old man, here's a little tiny throne, here's a little boy Jesus sitting on that throne, but he has a place of great dignity. Let's read this again, if you would, verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. 
and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. And we'd like to be remembered today as we pray. Lord Jesus, we're so happy to be able to be in church today. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord, that we could be gathered together. I told Carol yesterday, I guess you wanted us just to have a little bit of your treasure before winter left over. We know that the Bible tells us that you bring the snow out of your treasures. How they glisten, sparkle, and shine. Each one of those little flakes and scientists tell us that they've never found any two that are exactly the same. But we're grateful, Lord, that it didn't hinder us where we was able to come to service today. For we believe that you have some more things out of your treasures that you desire to share with us. Things that will help us, Lord, that we can be a a more consecrated people, a better people, as it were, a people that are ready for the events of the end time. Lord, I realize that where we are on this side of the earth and Western civilization, it's a lot different for us than it was the pictures that I saw early this morning of some of our brothers and sisters from the Ukraine. Lord, of those that are hiding and running for their lives, we pray for them there, Father. Be merciful. An evil dictator under the influence of demonic power. Lord God, we pray. Have mercy on your people, Lord Jesus. And we know, Lord, even our security and our government are surmising and saying he's like a wounded animal and they don't know what he'll do and He's striking closer and closer, and he's doing this, and World War III is inevitable. Well, we don't know exactly about all that, but all we know is you yourself are the one who controls these things. We pray, Father, that you would help us, that we can be ready for whatever lays ahead. Be mindful of your saints, I pray, Father, in Ukraine, also in Russia, Poland, Latvia, different parts of the world, our Father. Help us, dear Father. God, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I know you're not forgetting it, but just hold it to your heart during these <clears throat> times for the saints there in Ukraine and um, the other places that are dealing with this. Many, many uh, people have been affected by this thing. We know that we have been, but very small in reality compared to them. But we know that God is certainly mindful of his children and that he'll watch over them and, and help them. He doesn't promise that we'll be free from trouble in this life, free from difficulty in this life. But I heard a, an analysis uh, one day this week, and it was from... Um, uh, the man in our uh, high ups as far as our military and he was saying that for those who the Ukrainians that they had been quite surprised in their ability and how they had fought and 
even one of our high-ranking generals was before a certain committee here of our government and saying that he had actually misjudged the Ukrainian uh, soldiers and those uh, that were willing to fight felt like that they would not be able to fight very well. They were not very equipped. So this high-ranking official had not recommended that we send them very much arms and this and that. And I, I saw him as he was sitting there. I thought I admired the man because he said I was wrong. I greatly underestimated these people. And they went on to say that by the statistics of those who are on the defensive, that they have much more of a reason to fight than someone on the offensive. And he said, these Ukrainians have proved that they have more to fight for because the Russians are, some of them poking holes in their gas tanks and, you know, they found a whole field. I saw it just yesterday. They found a whole field uh, full of armored vehicles and tanks and the Russians just went off and left them. So uh, I, myself, I heard that and I looked at it in a spiritual sense that as the bride of Christ, as the people of God, we're on the defensive for our health, for our children, for our homes, for our churches. And I'd been seeing several of these Ukrainians as they'd been um, interviewing them. And you could tell that many of them are not educated. They were not very smart and this and that. But that over and over again, they were saying, this is our home. This is our home. This is what we will fight for. So here was lawyers and judges and even, even some of the women wanting to go back and get AK-47s and grenade launchers and all of that. Why? It was their home. And I saw a picture of a man and a woman, elderly man and woman, the Russian army had come in and, and taken over their home where they live. And this elder Ukraine, older man and woman stood right there. They talked to them boys like as dogs, I'm telling you what. They let them have it. And them boys got embarrassed and ashamed and they left out of them people's house and let them go back in. And again, I saw, you know, that, that's right in the spiritual as well. So we, because this word is our life, this word is, is what we live by, this message, our church, our family, the inheritance that God has given to us. Demons come on the offensive side. And they come to take our health, to take our peace, to take our home, to take our church, whatever more. But we're just another church to them. We're just another young person to them. Just another one that they can add to their trophies. But to us, this is our inheritance. So we are here defending what is ours. Then, in other words, we have more to stand for, more to fight, than they have a reason to take it from us. And when I looked at that, I thought, it's no wonder that our Lord was willing to do what he did. And I think sometimes that we uh, preach salvation more on the offensive side and we preach eternal life on the offensive side and the gifts of God and people even trying to understand the heart of God, the very 
purpose of God and they, they understand it from that side. And I was thinking about it just this week, how that really the way that many Christians look at redemption and the price of reconciliation and the way they view it, they still don't have it quite right because they have God sending another person other than himself to pay the penalty for a law that God himself set in order. They still don't have themselves redeemed by the manner of justice. The only way God could justly be able to do away with this law and consummate this law was for it to be done within himself. If I make a law and then allow one of my daughters or my son-in-laws or someone else here at the church to take the place of that law and the justice of that law, justice has not really been met and I've still not been satisfied. If I'm the one who made that law, I should be the one that would render the full competence for it to be resolved within my own being. Now you said that's why it's so relevant for us of uh, being able to understand. I know people look at the God and say, oh, it's just a doctrine. It don't pertain to salvation. Oh no, it's more than just a doctrine. It engulfs salvation. Because you'll never be able to understand the justice of God being met in the person of Jesus Christ until you really comprehend the Godhead. Because it'll divide it, it'll split deity, it will divide the Godhead himself, and it will render salvation still being unequal in the way that it is preached. And the only way it can really be leveled out is for it to be leveled out in the ideology of one God. And that one God who gave the law, that one God also wanted to render justice in that same preeminent way, and it could not be through another person other than the person himself who told Adam, and that day you eat thereof, that day you shall die. Whenever we look at God being able to meet this in a person, it must be in a person who could be the only one that would render the express image of God. This is one reason why I love this here in Hebrews because Paul was able to catch an image of God that none of the rest of the writers in the New Testament could. And our English writers, uh, they, they did an outstanding job really when you look at these first three verses because some of the Greek and the Aramaic words that were chosen to use this when Paul wrote this so many years ago, they're almost irreplaceable when it comes to the English language. Now, I'm not a linguistic person by any means at all, but I know in preaching in different languages around the world and hearing people interpret what I would have to say, whether it be in German or, or Spanish or you know African languages or languages in India, and I might say five words and they might say seven, or they might say eight, or they might say three. 
because their language would be different. So in order to bring not only word for word for word for word, but what they would try to do is catch the thought of what I said and be able to present it in their language. So it's so important in understanding that and whenever they was able to write this in the book of Hebrews, God inspired them to be able to catch the words that would reflect not just the doctrine, but reflect a person. You see, the salvation of God must be met in a just way. If not, you and I still today are not just before God. And if we have been met, justice has been met. Heavens and earth embraced. They kissed each other. And we make it any less other than God himself who took this form upon himself. We still don't have divine justice with God. It renders to me perfectly why people are so afraid still of his justice. Why they are so frightened of the wrath of God. Because they really don't have the justice question settled yet. It's still this anomaly of them trying to understand it and that they write songs over and over and over again and why me and how come me and I don't understand and on and on and on because they still have not had the question totally settled from the value of the soul. I hate to say it, but I'm afraid there's message folks that are the same way. It's like they stand before this being that is so mean and so cruel and so unjust and they're afraid that they're gonna stand before God as a mere mortal without being reconciled. But yet, whenever we look at what he did and know that through this, this act of substitution that it was not just God sending forth a son which would be one of lesser character, and one of lesser dignity, and of one that had a less significant role. But when you look at that son as being a condescension of the father himself, and it was actually the father in another form taking this justice upon himself. Let me read this again to you in Hebrews uh, chapter one, verse three. Who being in the brightness of his glory, now this is the effigy, is the word that is used, the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Look at the word image. Now image is used in the English language here several places in the New Testament, though it would be the same word, image, in the English. But yet, when you look at it in the Greek, it's a total different word. Now one of the words that is used for image in the New Testament is icon. And an icon is something that is used, a natural something to represent something else. It is where the Catholic Church gets a lot of their uh, things of bones and pictures and this and that because they read the Bible, the priests do anyway, in the original Greek. So whenever they run across this word icon, this is where they get all the different things of a skeleton and rubbing a priest's hand and all this and that and the other because actually the Bible does use the word icon. So, but yet in this one, it's not the word icon, even though the English word is image, but it is the word, look at it, character. So here Paul says that Jesus was the brightness of his glory and the express character 
of his person. But look at what the word character actually means. The instrument used for engraving or carving. The instrument used for engraving or carving. So the Lord Jesus was the instrument of God which would be used to engrave or carve the image of God into other things. Notice the meaning goes on, the mark stamped upon that instrument or wrought on it. The exact expression or the image of any person or thing, marked likeness, precise reproduction in every aspect of facsimile, which is a fax. Now, Paul says that Jesus then was the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. So the Lord Jesus was the tool. Now, what's this? It's the exact same words that's used in Matthew chapter 22. I don't feel aware of this or not, but they asked the Lord Jesus, is it lawful for us to pay taxes? Now, listen to this response. Show me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny. And he saith unto them. Now notice what he does. So they asked the Lord Jesus, is it right for us to pay tax to Caesar or not? He says, one of the other writers says, he says, show me a penny. Matthew says, he says, show me the tribute money. So here the Lord Jesus takes the money. Let's say he did it this way. He holds up the money before them like this, where they can see it if they only knew. When he held up the money, he was holding up an image that they would recognize. But in reality, he bore an image that they did not recognize. Now watch his words. Now we know, of course, that during this time frame, there would have been a certain emperor. Even to this day, when they find an archaeological digs, and whenever they find money, it's so important to them to be able to look and see which one of, if it's in the Roman or the Byzantine period, which ruler will be on the face of the coin because that helps them to get a certain time frame of how old this coin is by whose image it bears. Well, you see, whenever people, the rapture is consummated and the bride is gone, and people bear in their lives the mark of the beast, the image of the beast in their lives, it will signify who their master is. It will take them back, oh my, back to the original fall from the foundation of the world that it was the beast that fell and they are identified with that image in their walk, in their religious stamp, in their religious identification. Now he says unto them, whose is the image and superscription. Now notice in the Jews, they respond and say, they say unto him, Caesar's. 
All right, so Jesus holds this up and they look at it and they're able to know that it was Caesar. Now remember, it was Caesar Augustus. So they did not say Vespasian. They did not say Nero. They did not say Caligula because whenever a different emperor would come, then he would have the money restamped and it would have his image because the new emperor had his new image put upon the money. So you couldn't buy or sell without the new emperor's image being on your money. You're hearing me today. Now you're listening, that's all right. So it's the same way with us when we were born lost, we bore the image of the first nature. We were of the old union which was born between Satan and Eve. And then whenever we come into the new birth, we have the new image, hallelujah, impressed upon our soul by what? Not church membership. Church membership was not the tool that God used to carve his image in our soul. What did God use? It was Christ himself. So us joining a church, say, well, I believe this, I believe that. What you believe is very good and very important, but what you believe was not the tool that God used. God must use the same tool that he used on the day of Pentecost, which was the sun coming back in the form of the pillar of fire, and then that sun separated himself and went inside of them and permanently marked the image of God in their soul. And by that, they were sealed to the day of their redemption. Now you see, the Lord Jesus not only bore the image in himself as being the image of the invisible God, but he would become the tool that would be used from the divine men of God. And we know that every nation, of course, that has their own money and their own currency, operated by the Federal Reserve, whatever they call it in their country, and they keep that under very strict control. So what do do counterfeiters do? They want to be able to take $20 bills, $100 bills, Uh, That's what you're familiar with. And they want to be able to replicate that money in a way that it costs them nothing hardly to make it. And yet they can pass it around and they can be filthy rich, but actually they're filthy rich on fake stuff. It ain't worth nothing. So what does the government do? Well, the government will try to keep coming up with a certain type of ink or a certain type of paper. And as you know now, for several years, if you give them a $100 bill, they'll hold it up before a light or they'll take a special marker, a special marker. And what's the marker for? Well, it's to point on that dollar, hundred dollar bill, and if it retains a certain color from the marker, then it means it is original and it come from the validated federal government mint or the reserve. Is that right? So then they keep that a secret. Oh, glory. It is a secret of what the paper is is, and then they also have a little tiny strip, you've seen that, a little bitty old tiny strip in the end of it, put it up before the light, and you're able to see it. So there are identifications that will minimize the counterfeit. Well, the Lord's been dealing with counterfeits ever since the fall of, of, of the devil, actually, from the Garden of Eden, and is it right, come on down through time, and we know that we have uh, the greatest amount of religious counterfeits that the world has ever known. And the devil is the one that's printing them all out. Boy, he just keeps cranking
drink and the machine. Boy, here goes a message counterfeit and there goes the Church of Christ and there goes the Baptist and there goes the Methodist. And every age, he's just restamped his counterfeit machine. I wish somebody would preach with me today. But God has the only means, the only stamp by which the original can be identified with the original one, and that is Christ Jesus. So when a person says that they believe the Lord and they love him and they're filled with the Holy Ghost and they have a new birth, then there should be the very voice, the very life, the very mark of Christ himself in their life. Now this is why, of course, that they were called Christians at Antioch. It was not that it was a denominational symbol in that day to be called a Christian. It was the lowest thing you could be called. It was absolutely a, a byword, a word of a slang. It was not a compliment by any means. But they identified them as being Christ-like. Why? Because he is the one that God will use. Now notice, in verse 21, Jesus said, they say unto him, Caesars. Now watch this. Then say he, said he unto them, render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and the things, oh my, and unto God the things that are God's. Now I want you to notice this is not Caesar's as in plural, or God's as in plural, but Caesar as in possessive, and God as in possessive. Now they were able to identify that image on that coin, and every one of them would know that belonged to Caesar, but here was the image of God holding the image of Caesar. And he told them, now the same thing you're doing unto this, do to this. But they honored this and reproached this. Why? Because they could catch this was the image of Caesar, but they could not catch that that was the image of God. How is it that the church down through the ages, of course, for 2,000 years, has been so misunderstood by the very same thing is because they don't catch what the image of God is. So Satan makes a counterfeit and he calls his a church too. And then he makes it under all these different organizations and systems run by man, but yet he calls them the church of the living God. Of course, if one of them thinks they're the right one, that's right, they think they're the right church. If not, then they wouldn't have all these different names and titles, but they think that they are and they think everybody else is wrong. And we as a bride, we think that we're the right one. We think we have an advantage, do we not? If not, then why'd you drive all this way to church coming today? Why don't you stop at a Baptist church or a Methodist? It's because you feel like that there is an advantage of coming here, do you not? I do. I certainly feel like there's an advantage to being here. I'd be somewhere else if it wasn't for that, just like you. I feel like there is an advantage in identifying with God's pure holy word. Now, I want you to notice that Christ is the stamp or the impress of God's character. What is he? In him was embodied the very essence of God. So to divide him, to make him lesser God, to make him lesser than what he was, the glory that is shared with the Father before the foundation of the world, it takes away from the stamp of God. 
Now he was then the shining force of the light of God to the world in a human form. Now remember we're preaching about this great humiliation of our Lord. He is the essential essence by which God would project himself. So Christ is going to become the tool. Notice this in Colossians chapter one verse 15. Paul says who is the image of the invisible God. So he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, 2 Corinthians 4, 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now, we don't want to just allow the picture from the cross, which is basically the basic foundation of most Christianity and that's as far as most people go is just Jesus hanging on a cross dying for their sins so they can go to heaven. They're not worthy, they're unfit, they're deserving of hell and they live like that. They live like hell every day and then they claim grace and they claim mercy and, and then they claim they're free. Why they're worse bound than the drunk out there on the street that don't even claim Christianity. I'd rather meet God myself as an outright, downright liar, drunk, whoremonger, liar, and thief than I would to meet God with somebody with an over-religious devil on them because they're seven times worse than the drunk on the street. Well, praise the Lord. That's exactly right. And yet, we know then in that God has the truth and the real truth lays in the face of Jesus Christ. So if I would hold up a $100 bill to you and you would tell me which president's on that one and which president's on the dollar and which one's on the 20 and which one's on the five, then that would let me know that you know that certain thing. But we also want to be such a people that the spirit of God can shine himself through us and it's not us, well, I don't cut my hair and I don't do this and I don't do that. No, you're not the one who makes this image in yourself. I'm not the one who makes this image in myself. The only one that can stamp the image on you and I is Christ Jesus himself. And when he does, he leaves behind the trait of the mark, which is his own life. So it's not you and I trying to do this and trying to do that. Friend, this is why so many folks struggle trying to live a Christian life. The prophet preaches this way back in the 50s, called the intervale and all of those sermons that he dealt with in that time, that the man on the outer court, he, he worships under the stars and the moon, the man in the inner court, still under that. But the man or woman who goes inside the holiest of holies. They are there where they are sealed unto the day of their redemption. No matter if it's raining, sunshine, and snow, and blizzard, and whatever it's doing, on the outside, the curtain is dropped in behind you, and there you are safe and secure. Oh, does your old flesh still feel things? Sure it does. Can you be down and weary? Yep. But when it's all said and done, the mark of Christ, the stamp of Christ is so on your soul that you couldn't give up today even if you tried to. Oh my goodness, no matter what comes against you and how much Satan would say, well, you might as well give up. And you, and you may even think in your mind, well, I guess I might as well. But how can you stop something you never started in the first place? How can you and I, how can the devil, how can communism, how can Putin or anybody else stop the church of the living God? It is totally impossible. 
opposition and hatred and all those things do not stop the church. As a matter of fact, the church will grow under such things because they have the power of the living God inside of them. I want you to notice this, and the prophet says this in Christ the mystery. First, to express itself completely, God in Christ. Second, to have the preeminence by this in his church, which is his body, the bride, till he could have the preeminence to express himself through them. Now, how is this going to be carried out than just by theology? How would it be transferred just by words? So the Lord Jesus says these words, and then the disciples memorize these words, and then they take them out and they have others to memorize them and then they carry it on down for 2,000 years. There's no way. He could trust it to just the memorization of his words. Why Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, every one of them that wrote, and yet you take the very same instance whenever they record it, Matthew would write it one way, Mark could write it another, and Luke could write it another. Well, come on. That's exactly right because they wrote these years after the event happened. So they're doing from recall, I suppose. Suppose everybody here in the building today has 100% recall and every story you tell is exactly the same? Really? Oh my goodness. Oh wow. Okay. So God never committed it to the memory of men. God never committed it to, well, I'll tell you what, I'll start this, uh, this particular church building and uh, we'll have it built up on the rock in Jerusalem and everybody will come here and get it and then they'll go back home. No, God had one way to do it and that was to make an imprint of himself on a perfect image. As Paul says it in the dialogue, I quoted to you for, for many, many years, but for those whom he did foreknow, he did also previously mark out copies of the likeness of the son of himself. So Jesus was the recipient of the very life of God upon the earth, his human form, and God faxed the image of the supernatural into a human form on the earth. And Jesus received the facts of God. So what was it? Then Jesus was the invisible image, that which you could read and see, of the invisible God. So he was the only channel on the earth that could receive these invisible ways of the essence of God's character. I hope somebody's hearing me. And you see, there's only one way that you and I can be able to do it as well because it is an invisible union between Christ and his bride. And the only way we can receive it, we cannot, we can have a class and we can teach. Well, we're gonna have deity classes and then we're gonna have um, uh, soul classes and we're gonna have spirit classes and, and body classes and we're gonna have nature change classes and we're gonna have, you know how the world is. I mean, uh, you, you got a problem? Well, let's just educate them out of meanness. We'll get them in prison, we'll send them to prison, and then we'll educate them out of meanness. That's why the great percentage of them uh, go back in there, because they're not getting anything that'll keep them from the wrong that they did while they went in the first time. And it's the same way with us. We are not here to reform. We're here to lead people to the stamping line. I want every one of you people that come to this place, every one of you who stream this service who don't have a church to go to, myself, my desire for every one of you, if you don't have it yet, is for you to be stamped by Christ the Lord Jesus. 
and for him to leave the remnant of that mark upon your soul forever. Then if you go through trials and tests and difficulties and your mama quits and your daddy quits and your best friend quits, it ain't going to affect you at all. Because you're going on why it is the very imprint of his soul upon your soul whose image is on your life. So if I hold the coin up before you, who is on you? So if I take you and I put you out and say, whose image and superscription do you see on this human being? Whose image is on this human being? Whose image? Oh my, the world is scared to death of the number 666. I told you not long ago, I went through Wendy's and, and I got me a hamburger and a, you know, a drink and whatever it was and there was a lady come through and the amount turned out to be $6.66. Oh, when I come up that way before I left the drive through, she said, Whoa, Lord have mercy. <laughs> she said, Are you sure you don't want a cookie here? You know, I said, Yes, ma'am. Add me a cookie there. I didn't get the cookie for my sake. I got it for hers. I didn't, my, I didn't want her to be stressed out all day long thinking I took the mark of the beast. <laughs> but people scared to death of the mark. And yet they drink, they lie, they run around, and they live like the devil. They already got the mark. They've got the mark of their master, and you're wanting to walk perfect every day and live a holy life every day. And you're thinking, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, give me the Holy Ghost. Oh, Lord, who do you think's keeping you in this evil age? Who do you think is helping you to live a godly life, a holy life? Whose image do you see? Hallelujah. Oh my. So in the upper room, they were all gathered together and they had their parchments all gathered around the table and they were talking and discussing. They didn't know exactly what they were waiting for, but the now Jesus just said, go up there and wait to be endued with power from on high. I don't know if they knew exactly what that meant or not. The way Brother Bram described it, it doesn't sound like to me that they did. And he said, maybe after so many days, one of them said, you know what, brothers? I believe we've already got it. I believe it's already here. And he said, then I think it might have been Peter that said, now wait a minute, brothers. The scripture's got something to say about this. Hallelujah. With stammering lips and other tongues, will I speak to this people. They had theology. They had an element of understanding of the mission of the Lord Jesus to the earth but he had not come back yet as a stamp to stamp each one of their lives. They still were unregenerate. They loved him. They believed him. But they were not born again. Listen to me, children. They were not born again. Oh, Brother Donnie, how can they get it? The stamp must stamp them. The original character of God must come and stamp them in the same way, he was, I've been listening to the Messiah, 1961, his report, this week over and over and over again. And Brother Branham in there, he talks about Jesus, how when he come to the earth, he was born Jesus. But he become the Messiah when the Father come in him. <laughs> well, I know that chokes some of you Jesus only, but you need to get that old Jesus only stamp out of your head. Well, praise the Lord. Jesus was simply the visible image 
of the invisible God. God needed a stamp to stamp me with. God, an invisible being, an invisible God, how could he ever stamp invisibility on me? I was tangible. I was visible. You were visible. The earth was visible. The animal life was visible. God needed visibility to stamp upon a human being on the earth. And God said, I will fax all that I am. So God faxed himself. He just went, There I was, and here I am. I faxed myself into my creation that I will call a son. For he was the fullness. Now, if he was the fullness of the Godhead body, the fullness couldn't be up there. Couldn't be an old man sitting up there and him have fullness and two fullness. You got two fullnesses. There can't be two fullnesses. There's only one fullness. Well, praise the Lord. So he faxed himself, glory to God, into a visible image that that visible image could take the penalty of death. Hallelujah, God, in another form. Praise the Lord. Oh, imagine whenever God was able to achieve this. I'm not sure the devil still understands it to this day the mystery of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Oh, it ain't no wonder he tries to mess it up. Well, you gotta speak in tongues to do it. You gotta jerk a little bit. You gotta shout a little bit. No wonder the prophet called it the mystery of the baptism of the Holy Ghost without sensation. Not saying that you won't have sensation, but the coming of the Holy Ghost in you does not mean, boy, when I got it, I jerked, I took, wow, wow. One of these days, some of y'all is going to realize when you really got born again was when you were sitting in this church or another church and the word of God come right into you and the Lord Jesus himself stamped your soul sitting right there under the word. You might not have jumped. You might not have run. You'll run later and you may jump later, but you are sitting right there, right good and still, and here come the stamp. And you just... Left service and you said, wow. I believe that's about one of the least emotional services Brother Donnie's ever preached. I believe our church was less emotional today than I've ever seen them. But something happened to me today and I don't know exactly what it was. I can't explain it, but I'm different. The stamper stamped you. Hallelujah. The original character of God himself stamped his own signature. You've heard me say it before. That I, whenever we set up our church in Kentucky years and years ago, I got set up so I could be able to license preachers. And I've licensed preachers all over the world, message preachers, that need a certificate of license to be able to go into jails and prisons and here and there and there. And whenever I do, I'll get their name and I'll put their name at the top of it, then I sign my name at the bottom. I've got a little gold seal about that big around and I I had me a seal thing made and I put that little gold seal on there and I slide that little thing right in the middle of it and it says Donnie Reagan Revivals Incorporated and then I seal that seal that I bought. 
Now that little gold seal, I can go to the office depot and buy a whole box of them. It is a seal, but it ain't sealed. You understand? And I put it on that document with their name on it. It still ain't sealed until I pull that paper in between it and the imprint. Hallelujah! What did I do? I went to an office supply and I gave them my name. I gave them what I wanted on there and they made it. That's exactly what God done to Jesus Christ. He put A, B, C, D, E, F, G, Alpha to the Omega and put every bit of it in the volume of the book. Hallelujah! Holy Ghost life, of consecrated life, of sanctified life, devil cast in hell, power of God. He sealed every bit of it in that seal. And God slides you and I. Then I pull it out. There's my name embossed on that seal. You can try your best to impersonate it, but you won't be able to make it exactly like my seal. I'm the only one that owns one like that. Oh, the devil tried to confuse Pentecostals with tongues. It's tongues. It's tongues. Boy, they slid them all in there. I bet my tongue a few times trying to do that. I ain't making fun of speaking in tongue, but brother, when you got the real speaking in tongue, somebody going like to pat you on the chin. What was it? It was the devil trying to impersonate God's seal. What are the message people done? They made their own seal. Well, if you believe God sent a prophet, why the devil in hell believes God sent a prophet? It's when Christ himself, hallelujah, pulls your soul, hallelujah, in the power of God and marks that. Oh, I've always done it for years. I don't know why I do it. But whenever I pull that paper out, I always pull it up and look at it. And I I say to myself, that's me. That's me. And it works for everybody around the world, except for me. I was going to a prison a few years ago and I didn't have no preacher's license. So I needed some. So I wrote myself some. Dear Reverend Donnie Reagan, ordained to do such and such and so and so, and you know the address, the name, the so and so, and then I signed Reverend Donnie Reagan at the bottom of it, and I sealed it, Reverend Donnie Reagan. But they wouldn't acknowledge it. They probably thought, this guy is crazy. He's licensing himself. <laughs> now it's amazing because it was a legal document accepted in Africa and India and different parts of the world except when I tried to make myself something. And when I try to make myself something, it looks like a piece of phony baloney. <laughs> oh, it's the same way with people who try to be this and try to be that old children. Let's just be what God made us. Let's let him slide our life in between there and seal us with the Holy Ghost. And when we come out on the other side, hallelujah. Oh. In the earthly spiritual sense, the throne, the mercy seat, and the altar. 
then become in the heart of the believer. <laughs> in the heart of every believer who has the Holy Ghost is the throne. God's earthly throne. Notice this in Revelation chapter 4. Now the first throne was in heaven. Judgment seat. Second throne was in Christ. The third throne is in man. So don't so much focus on the third world war, but the third throne. You get this in there, brother. Whatever Putin throws our way, you'll be ready for it. God chose a man's heart for his control tower. The devil chose his head for his control tower. See, he makes him see things, look through his eyes, but yet God in his heart makes him believe things that he cannot see. You see, when God may take a baby or God may take a spouse, a husband or a wife, or God may take someone out of a church and we try to run it all through, that don't make no sense. I don't understand why God would do that. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. Uh-huh. You're running that through the control tower of the devil. Well, that don't make no sense to me. Why didn't God do that? Why didn't God do that? You better pull that through the control tower that God chose. Well, I don't understand it. The Lord give and the Lord took away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But the heart and the head will be at odds against one another. Come on, children. Do you understand it is totally possible that God can be sitting on the throne of someone's heart and devil, the devil reigning from their head? because they look to their intellect so much. Oh my. Oh, but notice what happens when he slides you between the and clamps down. Now look, I just can't go in there and put that piece of paper over that little tiny gold seal. You're gonna say, oh, now I don't wanna hurt you, honey. I'm just gonna, uh, I'm just gonna put you in there. Oh, I can put it in there all day long. Ain't nothing going to happen. I've got to put some pressure on that. And I've got to put pressure enough to where that, that, that you, know, those of, you know what I'm talking about whenever you see that, Brother Rob, you and the others have done it. You know what that is? Actually, the seal imprints upon the paper, and the paper and the seal say the same thing, letter by letter, character by character. Character by character, the paper itself becomes the embossment. The, the paper itself becomes the embossment. It becomes a legal document, Lord children. Don't you understand the volume of our book was so filled with filth and things of the world and the Lord God come to change our name from that old book of life of all the sin that we done and birth us from the Lamb's book of life. From the Lamb's book of life is only the record of your sieging. And you and the sea become as he embosses himself. This is why people can be talked out of the message. But if you ever get embossed, it's on your hide. It ain't just in your head. It's in your head, in your heart, in your spirit. 
in your memory, even in your body. As a matter of fact, it'll make your body obey the word of God. Praise be to God. It will make your body obey the word. Why? Because the imprint is through and through. God in his heart makes him believe things that he cannot see. See, God is on his heart. And the heart of man is the throne of God. You get it? Man, God made his throne in the heart of man. Notice in thirst, by your desire, you can tell who is on the throne of your heart. By what you love, that's what tells. Now you say, well, I think them things are all right, Brother Ram. Well, just remember down your heart. You know what's there, yes, sir, but what is feeding your soul? What your soul is thirsting for, you can see it satisfies that. So if you got King Jesus in your soul, he loves word, spirit, pure fellowship, righteousness, church, tapes, singing, worship, I imagine King Jesus being on the throne of your heart and Jesus saying, I want a cigarette. No. Imagine Jesus saying, stop after church and get me a can of beer. No. Imagine Jesus saying, I, I, want, uh, I, I want false gods. I'll call Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Imagine Jesus saying, I, I, I want something that's contrary to my word. No. Not the Jesus of the Bible. He can only feed on word, his love, his nature. Notice this. But see what's feeding in your soul. What your soul is thirsting for, you can see that satisfies it. If it isn't the word, then there's something wrong because the Holy Spirit lives on the word only. Notice again, he said, the throne of God of Christ is erected into your heart and he is sitting on God's throne. But in the millennium, he sits on his own throne. He swore that he raised up this man, his son, David's son, to sit on his throne. Now remember in the tabernacle in the Old Testament, there was not a throne per se. There was an outer court, an inner court, a holiest of holies. But once you got into the holiest of holies, it was the king's room, but there was no throne. But what was there was a, a box and it had cherubims and they were facing each other with their heads down like this. So it's like there's one on this side and one on that side and they're both looking down this way. So what are they looking at? What's in the contents of the mercy seat. So what was there? Law, Aaron's rod. Now this is where the high priest would go in one time a year in Yom Kippur, go in one time a year and offer the blood. And the expiation of the sins of the people would be taken place, taken care of, because this is God's provided way. But he could not go in without the sprinkling of the blood. So he would come in and go in and out seven days on that day of Yom Kippur. So he would go in and go out, change his clothes, go in, go out, change his clothes, go in, change his clothes. And then at that seventh visit, hallelujah, at that seventh visit when he would come in and sprinkle the mercy seat, was the blood of the sacrificial lamb. Here was millions of Jews on the outside and God immediately forgave their sins because one man 
obeyed his word. In that one man was the stamp of God of the Old Testament. And he had these 12 stones upon his breastplate and the light of God, but signed signature stones and shine upon there and produce these rainbow colors. He had blue around on his garment. He had the fringe. This one man represented the whole tribe. Glory to God. So this one man goes in and offers a sacrifice. One man does it. And a million or 10 million or whatever more is forgiven outside because of one man's obedience. Did it make sense? Probably not. Could you figure it out? Probably not. You didn't get set free because you figured it out. You were set free because you believed it. Can you imagine snakes are among you? They're biting you. Thousands are dying. God tells Moses, make a serpent of brass. Put it on a pole. Now they just left a land where they worship snakes. Many of the people in the country around worship serpents. And your God tells Moses to make something that looks like a piece of idolatry. But every genuine Israelite, they got bit. Oh God, oh God, I'm dying, I'm dying. They'd go up and say, I don't understand how this works. I don't understand the significance. But I need help. They looked and believed and lived. They didn't have to say a potion. They didn't have to say certain words. They believed. And when they looked, explained scientifically how that works. I don't know, but apparently medical science sure likes the symbol since it's still part of what they do. The snake on the pole. How could you ever figure it out in your head? You can't. It's not what you understand so much from the head. It's what the heart believes. Notice this in Exodus 25, 20. And the cherubims shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings. And their faces shall look one to another toward the mercy seat. Shall their faces of the cherubims be. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark. And in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I have given thee. And there I will meet with thee. And I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims. So wherever we find the mercy seat, there we'll find God's presence. You notice God ain't communing from the box, which held the word. God ain't communing from the lid, which covered the box. God's communing from between the angelic representation. Still theophanic. Notice Leviticus 16, 14, and he shall take of the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward. Before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with his finger seven times. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos. They still don't know why they did it seven times. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood within the veil and do with that blood as he did the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat 
and before the mercy seat. So if we can find where God's mercy seat is, there we can find God. And the prophet said, now the mercy seat, the mercy seat in the heart, the seat where the shining force of his glory in all of his children. The Shekinah glory in the human heart. Now God has a mercy seat today to be guarded. You believe that? Where's the mercy seat found? In the heart of man. Where did it come in the heart of man? Glory to God. When the original stamper come down. Hallelujah to God. At the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost, which is God, come into human hearts. So here is the one who received the image of God. He was the prophecies. Every time they sprinkled the blood, they was prophesying of him. Every time they killed a goat as a sin offering, they was prophesying of him. Every time they killed a bullock, they were prophesying of him. But then he said, Lo, it is written of me. I have come in the volume of the book. He come in the form of a book to eliminate your old book. God knows we had enough against us in our old book. Lord have mercy, I didn't need no help for anybody else to add bad chapters to my life. I'll go ahead and say for the rest of you all, y'all didn't either. You didn't need no help. I'm glad God worked it out that way where Brother Dow couldn't add to mine, I couldn't add to his, you couldn't add to theirs, and so on, so on. Lord knows I didn't need no help, and neither did you all. How in the world am I ever going to get rid of all that evidence against me? How in the world can I do it? Now, you might be able to find you a good attorney, and maybe you're as guilty as guilty can be, and you kill a man, and you do this and that and the other, but a lot of it will be how that attorney will present your case. You can sit there as guilty as you can be, and that attorney might get up there with his fancy words and be able to play on words and convince that jury that they do not by 100% have the right to sentence you to death or put you in a prison somewhere, and you are sitting there as guilty and you know you're guilty but that man standing there had the ability by the power of his words to convince the jury that you are innocent the Lord God wasn't going to do it that way he wasn't going to stand there and say well Donnie didn't do it well Harry's a pretty good old boy and well Dave Johnson why he's a good old fella you know let him get by with it God said no I'm not going to do it that way I'm going to take the penalty of the law myself I will take it in the image of my mark Lord God children I'll take it in the image of my mark, the vessel that I have marked with my image, he will bear the mark of sin in his humanity and by him being crucified, the volume of the book, it will release the life of the book to all of my children that want redemption from their old book. Hallelujah. The evidence was there. You lied. You stole. You cheated. You committed adultery. The evidence was there. But he purchased that old book and throwed it in the depths of the sea. Let me call, sir. 
God has a mercy seat today to be guarded. You believe that? Where's the mercy seat found? In the heart of man. When did it come in the heart of man? At the day of Pentecost. When the Holy Ghost, which is God, come into the human heart. I want you to listen to Brother Ram's response now when the Lord showed that to him. I was sitting the other day and saw this. I jumped up and run around and around and around the chair saying glory, 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 around and around. Charlie, I act worse than I do up in the woods sometimes. <laughs> it must have meant something so powerful to the prophet that he just jumped up out of his chair and went around and around and around saying glory, glory, glory. Oh, I believe there ought to be some saints here today say glory, glory, hallelujah. That's where we were lost without God. We bore within us the image of the beast. We bore within our language by our behavior, by our tactics the image of the beast but the Lord God said your name was on my book before you ever had your own book and I am going to transfer your identity back to my book I'm not only going to forgive you I'm going to stamp you I'm going to slide you between my word and spirit When you go to the grocery store, there it is. When you go to Home Depot, there it is. When you go to Lowe's, there it is. Through and through, you're sealed. Boy, I tell you, I love this Holy Ghost because when you really get it right, it keeps you on vacation. Well, some folks, when they go on vacation, they lay aside their religion. Man, they drag out their bikinis and their bathing suits and they drag out their liquor and this and that and the other and they lie, boy, they can just do whatever they want to do. You get it right, brother. You'll take your seal on vacation. You'll take it on a Disney cruise. You'll take it on an Alaskan cruise and then it'll take you on the heavenly cruise. Woo! Boy, that was a good one. Thank God. Why? Because you're that way every day out of the week. Brother Daniel, I want to share this one quote from the power of God there in 1955. Cross the riven veil, where the glories never fail. The Shekinah glory of God keeps alive, keeps from contaminating, keeps from indulging in the world. Sets aside, sanctifies the believer. Taking all the things of the world and all the doubt and darkness from his mind, putting a pure heart God writing his laws one time and put it in the table under the ark. And today the man living in the Shekinah glory under the mercy seat. God writes his laws upon his heart and preserves them. God writes his word upon your heart. And God preserves where they are written in your heart. This is why when you don't understand why you're going through this and that and the other, and Satan says, oh, God don't love you. God don't care for you. God loves you. How come you're going through this and that and the other? But you see, the word is not preserved in your head. It's preserved here in your heart. 
Well, you can't understand it. It makes no sense. I just don't understand why this is going on and why that's going on. He preserves it here. The preservation is here, not here. Y'all ever get confused? Y'all just don't understand what's going on about this and that and the other? Isn't it amazing you can be confused up here and have peace down here? You can be so confused up here, Lord, I just don't understand. I don't know what's going on. But yet, peace like a river. What is it? Preservation of the Holy Ghost. You're... You imagine each one of the Papa Seals, and he pulls them out from between the little clamps. <laughs> Another one. Sealed for eternity. Imagine him turning around, putting the devil's face, and say, Now look at that. And when God does that, it's like putting a big Target sign in front of Target store right on your back. That's one of the best signs that you're a child of God. Brother Donnie, all hell is broke loose against me. Well, that's good. That's good. I mean, all hell ain't got you. But all hell wants you. But we're on the defensive. Don't you love him? Let me just read this one here. Just a portion of the unveiling of God. Paragraph 328. How could the Shekinah glory ever reveal him in three persons? So some of the preachers in this message that are preaching two lords, and they don't believe in three, they believe in two. How can the Shekinah glory ever strike a preacher's heart and preach two gods? How could it ever strike his heart and say that the days of Pentecost is past and we don't need apostles, we don't need preachers, we don't need... How could it ever strike the hearts? The glory has never struck them. The message has struck their head. But if the Shekinah ever moves into their heart, it's the same Lord Jesus of the apostles. Praise God. Let's bow our Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Oh, Father, thank you today. We love you so much. Once again, Lord, I want to say how glad I am that was able to come today and have church. Thank you for it, Father. Oh, Jesus, make me like that little piece of paper, Father. And I have that software on my computer and I will print it out on that paper. And the paper I bought is that which is to look like old English paper that looks really old. And I have the same form, but I will put in Daryl Ward's name, say. And then the next time, somebody else will want one and say it's Ron Spencer or Andrew Spencer or whoever it is. And each time the words on the form are the same except for the name. And the name is what's changed. I run through the printer and I print it out, but it still ain't sealed. Then I open that little tiny box and put that little gold seal on there and slide it underneath that embossed piece of metal there in my hand. Oh, Lord God, maybe there's some here today, Father, and they was raised in the message. Really, 
That's all they've known all their life. But they've never really had that experience. Lord, to where their soul was sealed. They've been up and down and in and out. They've been on fire and then they get cold. and been on fire and they go to revivals and they go to Louisiana campus, we'll say, and then they go to the, the new camp starting up in South Carolina and they get all fired up and they come back home. And Lord God, we want to be sealed by the original image of God. So that whenever someone says, whose image and superscription is on you? that they'll be able to see the living image of the living God. Not just church entity, church joining, but Christ Jesus. Help us today, Father. We love you, Lord. With all of our hearts, we want to be like you, Jesus. Oh, make us more like you, Lord. How many of you wants to be more like him today? Would you just raise your hands? Make us like you, Jesus. May there be more of you seen and less of us, Father. May there be less of me and less of these people that is visible. Now, the image wasn't the only thing, of course, on that coin that Jesus held that day. It was made out of silver or gold and may have had a date on it, may have had some type of writing, but Jesus wasn't pointing to the writing. He wasn't even pointing to the date. He was pointing to the image. What a reproach they could see the image and know the image of Caesar, but they didn't know the image of God. And it proves to us one thing. They did not know God. For had they known God, they would have known his image. He had a little woman with five husbands coming out to the well to draw water because the women of the city wouldn't let her come out with them. And you went that day so you could pull her, hallelujah, back to the image of God. Only oh, know when Messiah cometh, he will do these things. I that speaks to thee am he. And the scripture says she ran into the city and began to tell the men of the city, Come and see a man that I have found who's told me my whole life. He's told me everything I've done. Is not this the Messiah? Oh, praise God. Lord Jesus, may that be our reaction. That it's not our church. It's not our this, our that. It's our Messiah, the Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father. Sing something for us, Harry. Can we just worship a little bit before we go? Yes. It's done past noon anyway, so you done missed your noon meal. <laughs> so we might as well stay close to supper time, Brother Jeremy. Let's just worship him a little before we go. Oh, children, if you today in your soul by that image, I want the Lord Jesus, Brother Darrell, to be able to take me in his hand and say, whose image and superscription do you all see on this preacher's life? Is he a false prophet, a deceiver, a liar? And then take you as an individual. Whose image and superscription do you see on this lady's life? May the people be able to respond. I don't understand their doctrine. They tell me they believe some really weird things up there. But I know one thing, when I get in trouble, 
I always call them to pray for me. <laughs> I find that so amazing. People that laugh at us and ridicule us, yet when they're in trouble, I'm one of the first preachers they call. Mm-hmm. Happens over and over and over again. I consider that a compliment because it's them testifying. They see the image of my father in my life. I don't know about you, but if I'm dying or if I'm sick, I want somebody to call on him and talk to him before. Remember Brother Bram talking about the sister down there and, and, and uh, whenever his plane was held on the ground, she started talking to the Lord and said, you could tell she had talked to him before. When I'm in trouble, I believe Joel, I want somebody that ain't got to reintroduce herself and make confession about three hours before they pray for me. I want somebody to go directly to the throne and say, dear God, Brother Donnie needs help. Don't you? That's exactly right. Why? Because we can see whose image and superscription is on that. Oh, praise God. Let's just worship him a little before we go. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lord Jesus. I might become him. Oh, Father. Yes, Lord Jesus. He became me. A sinner. That I might become him by grace. He my place. Thank you. That I through his love could take
the Lord. Brother George, come sing that song I texted you about this week. Praise the Lord. Don't you appreciate God's grace to us today, friends? Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I love to hear Brother Joel sing this song. The man in the middle was stamped in between unrighteousness on both sides. They sped on him. They reproached him. What was he? In the middle. It typified what he was doing between God and man. He did not die on the earth, touching the earth. He died suspended between heaven and earth. Look at everything about him. The middle man. He died suspended between heavens and earth. He was God's chosen place of worship. God's name, Lamb. Brother Branham called him. If you're here today and you're sick, they tied him to a whipping post and they had some of the greatest soldiers of the Roman army that would tie shreds of metal, pieces of glass to that cat of nine tails. They would have one on one side and one on the other. The guy on this side would stand this way and he would rear back that whip as hard as he could. And they would not only hit him, but they would jerk that whip. And whenever they jerked it, it would make big lashes and take pieces of meat from his back. Then the guy on this side would stand and do likewise. That was so you could be healed of your migraine headaches. You could be healed of your blood pressure, of tumors, diabetes, losing your eyesight, whatever it is. So you could be healed today. Lord Jesus, we worship you. There was a mountain There were three trees There was a good man There were two feet A man called Barabbas Was due the tree but Jesus took the middle one and Barabbas went free
in blue The scenery was so dull We crossed a black and bold Against a darkened sky And not from pain But a broken heart Say 
the sky And not from pain But a broken heart The middle man Shout to the Lord. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength.
to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Brother Darrell. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless your name, Lord God. We worship you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for revealing your word to me. Thank you, Lord, that I could go to an assembly where I see you manifested in the flesh and the hearts of your children. For Lord, truly, I have seen Christ. I've seen him in the ministry of the word. I've seen him in my pastor. I've seen him in the song specials. I've seen him in the congregations. I've seen him in the mothers and the fathers and the brothers and the sisters. Lord, I have seen you the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, I just want to thank you, Lord. It wasn't too many years ago as a young man. I drove by this church, Lord, and saw the people in the parking lot. Lord, I was on my way back to the army. Lord, I felt like that I wasn't a part of them, but Lord, you came to me that day and you told me that I was one of yours. And I thank you for it from the depths of my heart, Lord. That me and nobody. And yet you brought me into your economy. You revealed yourself to me. And Lord, we thank you today from the depths of our heart, Lord. Oh, Father. How we thank you, Lord, our healer, our strength, and our joy. Oh, God. Tomorrow, Lord. 27 years, one of the darkest trials of my life, Lord. But it was during those dark times that I saw you so clearly in your people, Lord. As they lifted us up in prayer and ministered to our needs. I thank you, Lord, for this congregation. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We ask, Lord, now that you just go with your people. Father, at Walmart or Sears or wherever it would be, Lord, the people we would come in contact with, that they would see you as someone said one time, Lord, that the greatest compliment they ever got was with someone that they worked with said, I know we don't always agree on everything, but I want you to know every time I get around you, I see Jesus. Oh God, let that be said about us, Lord. That someone saw Jesus in us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for our pastor, Lord. We ask you to renew his strength. Dear God, I pray, Lord, flows on our prayer list. May you move for their needs today, Lord. 
those less fortunate than we are, dear God, and our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and the believers in Russia, Lord, that's being affected over something they have no control over. Oh, God, shelter them under your wings, Lord, we pray. Be with your children now, Lord. Thank you for such a wonderful service. Thank you for your presence that we felt, Lord. And we thank you for every need that was met today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, saints. Dismissing the fear of the Lord. Let's just sing this as we go this morning. Amen. You thought I was worth saving. So you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth keeping. So you cleaned me up inside. You thought I was to die for. So you sacrificed your life. So I could be free. So I could be whole. So I could tell everyone I know. You thought I was worth saving. So you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth You thought I was to die for So you sacrificed your life So I could be free So I could be whole So I could tell everyone I know You thought I was worth saving So you came and changed my life You thought I was worth keeping you clean me up inside you thought I was to die for so you sacrificed your life so I could be free I could be whole I could tell everyone I know you thought I was worth saving so you came and changed my